I've been covering the Chicago Bears for almost a decade now, and I don't think I've ever seen a day around Hallis Hall like we saw on Wednesday. Absolutely crazy and a ton to get into. You are Locked On Bears, your daily Chicago Bears podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is Locked On Bears, and I'm your host, Lauren Cox. I'm here to bring you your daily, in-depth Chicago Bears news and analysis. You can follow me on Twitter at CoxSports1. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Bears. You can like Locked On Bears on Facebook. Join the Locked On Bears Facebook group for even more Bears talk. And make sure you hit that subscribe button on the Locked On Bears YouTube channel to keep up with all of our video podcasts as well. A heck of a lot to keep up with today. Appreciate everyone who's been making Lockdown Bears your first listen. We're part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. But this was no everyday Chicago Bears day. I mean, where do you start? There is so much happening with this team. It's why we're doing a whole bonus podcast episode, double dipping today, because Justin Fields seemingly called out his coaching staff and then walked it back. Allen Williams resigned as Bears defensive coordinator after some really wild, crazy rumors, some of which have been proven false, some of which are still TBD on what's going to come true there. And that all overlooks a really big injury announcement that Matty Bufu's made, that your left tackle Larry Borum is going on to injured reserve with kind of a surprise neck injury, I think they said, completely out of nowhere. A lot to get into. Let's jump right in. I think we need to start. I mean, it's hard to know. Where to start? I mean, what's what's more crazy? Your defensive coordinator resigning or your your quarterback having to walk back comments he made about the coaching staff? But I think we got to start with Justin Fields for now. And I, I say that recording this Wednesday afternoon, hoping that more serious stuff doesn't come out about your defensive coordinator situation. We'll get to that in a little bit here. But Justin Fields, regular run-of-the-mill Wednesday press conference. We'll ask him about what happened in the game, et cetera, et cetera. And he comes out and, and very calmly and matter-of-factly kind of says, hey, you know, didn't play well enough on Sunday. Felt like I was a little bit too robotic out there. Felt like I was thinking a little bit too much out there and not really playing the style of football that I like to play. And so he was asked, like, well, well why do you think you felt so sort of robotic and and restricted and, and kind of just not yourself out there? And here was his full response. When you say thinking less, what do you think was causing you to think so much, maybe think too much? Um, You know. Could be, uh, you know, uh, coaching, um, I think. But, um, you know, at the end of the day, it makes it, you know, uh, they're doing their job when they're giving me, you know, what to look at and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, I you know, can't be thinking about that when the game comes. I prepare myself throughout the week, and then when the game comes, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's time to play free at that point. So, um, you know, just thinking less and, you know, playing more. Hey, Justin, you know, we've heard this before from, from other athletes. There are just too many like coaching voices in your head at this point that you're trying to process so much. Is that kind of, is that part of what you're saying? Um, I don't think it's too many coaching voices, but I just think when, you know, you're fed a lot of information um, at a point in time and you're trying to think about that info, like when you're playing, it's like, it doesn't let you play like yourself. You're trying to you know, process so much information to where it's like, you know, if I just simplified in my mind, I would have did this. Like, I saw a few plays on Sunday to where if I was playing like my old self, like, we would have had a positive play. Like, there would have been, you know, a few more third-down conversions. So, 
um, I think that's the biggest thing for me is just, you know, uh, playing the game how, you know, I know how to play it, how I've been playing it my whole life. So that's what I got to get back to doing. Now, Justin Fields would, would later, after the press conference, a, a couple hours later, come back to the media, hold another little mini press conference, and try and clarify his comments, saying that, you know, he said, I was not calling out the coaching staff. I was not blaming the coaching staff or my teammates. The blame starts with me. I need to be better. And he took it a step further and kind of said, like, the media was taking that quote and distorting it and taking it out of context to make it sound like he was blaming his coaching staff. And I think that's also not quite true either. Like, I think there's there's a little bit of blame to go around here. So when you hear Justin Fields say that, like when he was asked, why do you think you were so robotic? He said, coaching. And, I, and this to me comes down to a semantics thing. He said, coaching. And when you're getting so much information, you start to think too much and not just play. That's what he said. That's not out of context. He never said, oh, Luke Getze is bad or that the offensive coordinator is the reason why I'm struggling. But he did say coaching was contributing to some of his struggles. So for him to come back and then say, well, I wasn't blaming my coaching staff, that might also be true. He wasn't exactly blaming his coaching staff, but he was saying that the coaching needs to be better. And I think that is also a true statement. And I think it, right, it feels like he's sort of deflecting some of the blame on the media where he did he did call out his coaching staff. And that's OK. Like You shouldn't have to come back and apologize and correct that. I mean, I don't think he was inflammatory about it. I don't think he was malicious about it. I don't think he was angry about it. He just said, listen, like we had a big meeting with the coaches and I expressed that, you know, I, I want to be get back to playing my football. He said, I, I think he said kind of F it and go for it, play fast and loose. And he should do that. Like that is what he needs. And the coaching staff needs to let him do that. And clearly he admitted that Luke Getze and company have been coaching him to stay in the pocket more. And he also said that all that information to stay in the pocket more is leading him to play more robotic and less free as a quarterback. So you put those things together. He's saying the instructions that the coaches gave me are not helping. Is that not the same as calling out the coaching staff a little bit? Like it's not blaming them per se, but it is pointing out that they need to be better in addition to him needing to be better. So I hope it doesn't curb Justin Fields' honesty in the future because I think he's 100% right about the coaching staff. And I think he's deflecting a little bit of the blame on saying, oh, the media took that out of, out of context. When I think even when you take the full quote, the full quote in full context, he says the word coaching. He's talking about the coaching that he received. Even if he's not blaming the coaches, he's blaming the coaching, which is slightly different, I guess, but still has the same relative effect, if you ask me, and is also still correct. So hopefully this means we're going to see some significant changes to the Chicago Bears offense moving forward to get Justin Fields back playing more comfortable, confident in the style of offense that we saw them switch to last season. And then now they switch back to start this season and really need to get to what they were doing well last season. I don't even think necessarily that was the most shocking thing coming out of the Bears organization on Wednesday. I mean, it's I think it's the most important right now in terms of affecting what we're going to see on the field on Sunday. But all of a sudden, you don't have a defensive coordinator. Bears defensive coordinator Alan Williams resigned, I would say, abruptly on Wednesday afternoon after some really wild rumors were put out there. The Bears denied portions of it, uh, but other portions, I think, have not been fully addressed at this point. And certainly a lot more is still going to come on the Alan Williams story. So we'll check in on what we know and what we don't know and what we don't want to speculate about next on Locked on Bears.
This bonus episode of the Lockdown Bears podcast is brought to you by our friends at eBay Motors. And eBay Motors has teamed up with Lockdown Fantasy Football host Vinny Iyer to bring you some of the best fantasy football picks each week, all season long. Whether you're doing a daily fantasy draft or you're scouting the waiver wire for your season long team, every week we're going to provide you with players that are guaranteed to fit on your roster. So let's see who Vinny has picked out for us on this week's eBay's Guaranteed Fit Fantasy Picks of the Week. Philadelphia Eagles wide receiver A.J. Brown is looking for his first touchdown and 100-yard game of the season going into week three against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But he has a great chance to accomplish both after combining for 11 catches on 16 targets for 108 yards in the first two games. The Buccaneers have struggled with number one wideouts early in this season. We saw it. D.J. Moore got his 100 yards against the Buccaneers defense. I think A.J. Brown and Jalen Hurts can get theirs too, especially with the Buccaneers' run defense not necessarily... Uh, you know, not necessarily leaving open lanes, so a guy like Jalen Hurts may have to throw a bit more. As as the squeaky wheel, expect Brown to get plenty of grease on Monday night. Vinny Iyer from Locked On Fantasy Football is going to help you win your fantasy championship, and eBay Motors knows a championship team is about each player being a perfect fit. The same thing is true for your vehicle. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride, you can make sure that your car stays running smoothly. We're talking about brake kits. LED headlights, roof racks, bumpers, whatever your vehicle needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay's guaranteed fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not burning cash. Keep your vehicle running at its best at ebay.com motors. eBay guaranteed fit only available to U.S. customers, eligible items only, exclusions apply. We went from Chicago Bears defensive coordinator Alan Williams not traveling with the team to Tampa Bay for personal reasons to then Matt Eberflus dodging any and all questions about Matt Eberflus, about Alan Williams to some really, really wild rumors about what was going on with Alan Williams that have not been substantiated at the time of this podcast recording to... About a little after 3 p.m. Wednesday afternoon Central Time, Alan Williams resigned as Chicago Bears defensive coordinator. It is a whirlwind of things going on today, a whirlwind of everything. But the defensive coordinator is now gone. Matt Eberflus will be the defensive play caller, presumably for now, if not for the rest of the season as a defensive head coach. You know, they certainly have some some assistants on this staff with some good experience that maybe could step into the quote unquote, like interim defensive coordinator role. We'll get into that in a little bit as well. And uh, we're going to be very, very careful about talking about the rumors around Alan Williams, because they're very, very inflammatory and very, very serious in a way that you would never want to falsely accuse someone of the things being floated around with his name. But let's start from the beginning Wednesday morning, much like Justin Fields, right? Regular Wednesday Matt Eberflus press conference. A simple question like, hey, any update on your defensive coordinator? You know, the Bears have just said personal reasons. Everyone sort of was just hoping everything was okay. It wasn't anything too serious with him or his family or whatever it might be, you know. And so the media asks some some pretty basic, sometimes like yes or no questions about what's going on with Matt Eberflus or with, with Alan Williams. And Matt Eberflus kind of had the same response every time. Matt, do you anticipate Alan Williams to return at any point this season? I do not have an update on, on uh, Alan Williams right now. Is he he's still the defensive coordinator? 
like I said, I don't have any update. I don't have any update right now. Have you spoken to him since it's been asked? I don't have any update. No matter what they asked Matt Eberflus about Alan Williams, he had no update at this time. Even a simple question. One of them later on was, have you talked to Alan Williams in, you know, since in, in the last week? Or have you talked to Alan Williams recently? I have no update at this time, right? Simple questions like, even if you knew Alan Williams was going to resign, even if you knew Alan Williams was was dealing with some sort of situation that rumors are involve law enforcement, although the Bears have denied law enforcement involvement at Hallis Hall. But even if you knew all that as, as Matt William, or Matt Eberflus, like, couldn't you still say, yeah, I've talked to him. You don't have to give any details. But if the, answer, if the question is, have you talked to him? You, you, that, that seems like one of those where you can say yes, and there's no real consequences there. But instead, it's, I have no updates. I have no updates. I have no updates, which only raised suspicions, right? When you, when you don't even answer yes or no to the very simple questions, then all of a sudden you're inviting us to sort of ask ourselves, why? Why not? Why, why can't you just answer even a simple, have you talked to him? Maybe you don't know whether he, maybe at that time, he didn't know whether he would be back or not. He legitimately doesn't know, so he doesn't have an update at that time. That's fair. It's fair to not have an update on whatever situation Alan Williams is dealing with away from the team. Of course. I mean, Matt, he's a, he's a, Matt Eberflus can respect his privacy, can respect what he's going with, and respect, you know, and I think the media can too. Like, yeah, some of that stuff Matt Eberflus is not going to have an update on. But when you don't have an update on, have you talked to him? Well, you do have an update on that. You're just refusing to answer it in either question. You could even say, no, no, I haven't talked to him. Okay, cool. That that's that's fine. That's a fine answer. Whether you've talked to him or not, like you can't answer that question. But by not answering it, everyone's sort of you know suspicions started rising. The red flags go up. Like okay, wait a minute, something's going on here. Something's going on here that is not kosher. Then we got the rumors. They come out from uh, I would say a a source that is popular on YouTube. As far as I am, I'm aware, he works for some kind of sports talk platform here and he tweeted out that and I don't I'm not necessarily going to go into the, all the details here and I'm not not trying to like start beef or whatever it's not, but I'm just sort of laying out the situation as we know it a person who's not a a regular credentialed reporter covering the Chicago Bears but someone who does talk about the Chicago Bears a lot but necessarily doesn't have the proven credibility and credentials of like a regular beat reporter or one of the national NFL reporters tweeted out that he had sources familiar with the situation saying that Hallis Hall and Allen Williams's home were raided in connection with an undisclosed incident. The Chicago Bears came out during the afternoon a few hours later and said no, Hallis Hall was not raided and the police were not at Hallis Hall. And so and I believe the report from the from the person that we're talking about said Hallis Hall was raided this morning and the Bears have denied that categorically, presumably. I mean, why would the Bears deny it if it was True. I mean, it's sure. I, I don't want to take the bears at fully face value there, but like when the, when they're accused of having the police in their building, which is verifiable by police reports that can come out later, there's no reason to lie about that. Cause if they say, if they lie and say, no, the police weren't here, someone's going to uncover the actual police reports and say, yes, they were here. And then the bears would be caught in that lie. I, I think the false information is coming from the initial rumor report here about Hallis Hall being raided. The other person went on to say that Charles Tillman was involved in breaking the news to the team, which again feels, I, I don't know, unnecessary and, and also very much unsubstantiated. But then, you know, a half hour later, Alan Williams submitted his resignation 
from the Chicago Bears. And that's a specific wording as well. The league office was not involved. The Bears, at least in, in the way it's being released by the Bears, the Bears didn't ask him to resign. He submitted his own resignation and said in a statement that he wants to spend, needs to step away to deal with personal things and stuff with his family or whatever, X, Y, Z, generic, generic resignation thing. So it was Alan Williams' decision. He was not necessarily forced by the team or, or the league. And it sounds like Williams is resigning. Now, that's, that's pretty much all we know for sure at this point. I have heard through other channels things that I'm not willing to put on the podcast here. And I like to always kind of give you guys an insider tip if I have it. This is too inflammatory and too serious to just throw out there as, oh, I, I heard this, but I have heard it from multiple people that got things from at least multiple people that wouldn't have exchanged the information together, like coming from outside separate places, which tends to be in, in journalism rules, a good sign for validity, but I'm not going to get there. All, all, all I will say is that the discussions about law enforcement the Bears said law enforcement was not at Hallis Hall. The Bears said police weren't at Hallis Hall. Police did not raid Hallis Hall. The other rumors say that law enforcement may still be involved in this situation, but that is all very speculative, and I'm not going to get into what the what the situation may or may not be in there, but the Bears are left without a defensive coordinator. And I think short-term and long-term here, I mean, Matt Eberflus was a defensive coordinator for the Colts. He could coordinate this defense just fine. And I don't think you're super worried about there being a big drop off or like significant on field consequences. Like Alan Williams certainly had responsibilities in terms of like practice and leading meetings and film study and stuff that that will need to be filled by other coaches. And that's going to ask more of the coaches on the staff. Like there, there is an impact of Williams being gone, but it's not like, oh, my God, it would be different if like, you know, Luke Getze resigned for hopefully much better reasons. But like if Luke Getze resigned and then all of a sudden you don't have an offensive coordinator and it's not like your head coach could just pick up this offense. Like that would be a much bigger disaster than, okay, defensive coordinator is out. Iberflus can sort of steady the ship there. Some teams with defensive head coaches don't have true defensive coordinators and vice versa for offensive head coaches and offensive coordinators. It's not the end of the world for the team on the field to not have Allen Williams. And it's worth noting, like you look at this Bears coaching staff uh, elsewhere, like below below them, You've had the linebackers coach Dave Borgonzi has been with Iberflus for, you know, three years or 18, 19, 20, four years with the Indianapolis Colts before that. Your, your defensive backs coach, John Hoke, is brand new to Iberflus, but has been a defensive coordinator before, both in the NFL level and the college level, I believe. Or I think his coordinating was all in college, but he's been an NFL defensive backs coach for a long time and has been a college defensive coordinator before. Like you have guys who if you need to make one interim defensive coordinator to handle some of the bigger duties that aren't play calling, I think you've got guys on the coaching staff that can step into that role. So it's not the end of the world on the field, but it's an absolutely crazy situation off the field that no one saw coming and just kind of adds to the crazy drama of the day and really of the start of the season for your Chicago Bears. All of that overlooked what would have been the biggest story of the day on Wednesday anyway had Fields had not said the things he said and had Williams not resigned. But Matt Eberflus opened his press conference by saying, hey, injury update for you. Larry Borum is on injured. Excuse me, getting ahead of myself here. Braxton Jones is on injured reserve. Your starting left tackle, neck injury out for at least the next four weeks, if not the rest of the season. So we'll check in on what that means for the left tackle position, the future of the offensive line. And of course, Justin Fields and Luke Getze next on Locked on Bears. 
This bonus episode of Lockdown Bears podcast is brought to you by our friends at Prize Picks, the better way to do daily fantasy sports because Prize Picks puts you in complete control of whether you win or lose. With Prize Picks, you pick two to six players and whether they'll do better or worse than their Prize Picks projection, and you can win up to 25 times your money. It's better than regular daily fantasy sports because with those other daily fantasy platforms, you know, you're submitting your lineup against thousands of other people hoping that your one lineup happens to be the lottery chance of being the one in 10,000 that gets first place and gets the big payout. With Price Picks, it's just you versus the house. It's you versus the, project, the, the projections. So all you got to do is put your football knowledge and wits to the test. Now is a great time to check it out. If you haven't before, go to prizepicks.com slash NFL and use our promo code LOCKDOWNNFL for a first deposit match up to $100. That's prizepicks.com. Promo code locked on NFL to get that first deposit match. Prize picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. Boy, it's it's a you know it's a wild day when losing your left tackle to injured reserve out of nowhere, a complete surprise, is like third or maybe even like fourth most surprising thing that happened that day, depending on how you split up. Stuff Iverpool said, the Williams resignation, the Fields comment, and then the return to comment again. Like, that's a lot of different things. And somehow Braxton Jones on injured reserve pales in comparison to all of that. And yet we'll have one of the most significant on-field impacts of all of this. Because all of a sudden, your left tackle, who I believe played in every snap of the first two games of the season. I'm pulling up the snap count right now just to make sure I'm not misspeaking there. No, Braxton Jones played 52 out of 52 snaps. In week one and 74 out of 74 snaps, sorry, 52 out of 52 in week two, 74 out of 74 in week one has played all 126 offensive snaps this season. Didn't leave the game with an injury, didn't have a big scary exit or anything like that. Was never replaced on the field in any of these games. And yet Wednesday, all of a sudden bombshell, well, a tiny bombshell compared to the nuclear bombs that we got in the afternoon, (laughs) but a tiny little bomb dropped of, yeah, he's got, I believe it was a neck injury and is going to be on injured reserve right away. We don't know the length of the injured reserve. Matty Blue said still to be determined whether that's as short as four weeks or maybe even as long as full season. But for the short term, for the immediate present, we cannot rely on him for the next month. And so the Bears have to go somewhere else on the offensive line. Right away, the initial thought, and Matty Blue said, it'll probably be Larry Borum, who's worked really throughout this whole process, as the backup left tackle, he's the swing tackle on the 53-man roster right now. So presumably, he should step into that starting left tackle role. But Matt Eberflus didn't rule out the possibility of taking Darnell Wright from right tackle and moving him back over to left tackle, which, you know, he played left tackle in college. And I can't help but feel like that's the worst decision you can make out of the group. And I'm scared by the fact that the Bears didn't even rule that out. They just don't seem to have any sort of fear of moving offensive linemen around, despite how difficult that can be for them, especially when you're not only a, a, a raw developing offensive tackle, but a rookie in his second, well, will be his third game on top of that. Like Dar- Darnell Wright needs nothing more than to be sat in one spot, master this, work on your technique here and hone your craft here because you're raw you're, you're sloppy and you need to keep getting better, but you're so physically gifted that if you can fix those things, you're going to be a stud at the offensive tackle spot. So why 
take him out of right tackle and move him to the left side to then plug Larry Borum in at right tackle when you could just plug Larry Borum in at left tackle. It's not to say like I'm supremely confident in Larry Borum, although I do think he'll be all right. Not going to be great, but he'll be all right. But you can't sacrifice the development of Darnell Wright here. You just you just can't. You got to leave Darnell Wright at right tackle. Lord knows this offensive line is already in shambles when you've got Lucas Patrick in at center for Cody Whitehair, who's in at left guard. Patrick missed practice on Wednesday with an illness out of practice. So Lord knows Dan Feeney's been getting in there then, and he had a bad snap in the, the time you got in the game at the last time. Cody Whitehair has really struggled at left guard this season after they had worked him at center all throughout the preseason and then moved him back to left guard where he played last season, thinking he would just pick right up and did not. So he's been miserable. Nate Davis dealing with a personal issue away from the team. I think it was a death in the family. He returned to practice on Wednesday. So there's some good news on the offensive line that you should have some more stability at right guard. I thought Jatiri Carter was, uh, it, it was Jatiri Carter. You know what I mean? Like he wasn't, he wasn't abysmal, wasn't terrible, but for a guy who was a, what a seventh round pick in just his second or third season, like he was all right. I think he was a below average right guard, which based on expectations, we kind of expected him to be a below average at right guard. So I'm not like super disappointed with him, but like wasn't good. Just wasn't, wasn't above and beyond expectations, which is sort of the, the point there. So getting Nate Davis back in theory should be an upgrade, should be some stability next to Darnell Wright at right tackle. So you can leave that side alone for at least a little while. I mean, Jesus. And then it's a matter of like, okay, Larry Borm can plug in at left tackle. He's played left tackle before. He's played in this scheme for two seasons now. It, it's it's a concern there for sure, as far as protecting Justin Fields goes. You know, got a new guy to kind of get it used to that blind side, that backside. Certainly saw a lot of up and down from Braxton Jones as is. I think the penalties were kind of skewing our perception of them because, of course, the penalties were bad. Braxton Jones had, what, a couple of false starts and a couple of holdings through the first two games. Can't have that. Second-year player in this offense. You got to be better than that. I do think on the whole, like, you take out the penalties and just his pure blocking was all right. Wasn't as disastrous as I think some people make it out to be. But I, so I think there'll be a slight downgrade to Larry Borum there, but it's not going to be like, it's not like there's this huge gulf where Braxton Jones was a Pro Bowl left tackle and you're bringing in some bum who doesn't belong in the lineup. Like, I think Larry Borum is a, again, like below average offensive tackle and we're probably going to get below average play there. And so you definitely need Cody Whitehair to step up next to him and play better than we've seen from him through the first few weeks. But like, really, like you start looking across the board here at this Bears offensive line, there is no one out there that you fully trust right now. Because at the left, his left tackle will be Larry Borum, backup that we don't fully trust. Left guard, Cody Whitehair, has been surprisingly bad through two games. I don't fully trust him to really hold down that spot because I was willing to give him one game to kind of re, re-get his feet, but two games of bad play from Cody Whitehair, I don't trust it. Lucas Patrick at center, I don't trust it. He's okay, but he's your backup. He's not supposed to be starting in there. Not somebody I really fully trust. Nate Davis, we thought we could trust coming in as a free agent right guard, a veteran with a lot of experience, but he was really bad in week one. Maybe now that, you know, the the personal issues are, I don't want to say the issues are resolved because there's still a lot of aftermath of that, but like maybe now that things have a little bit more clarity and direction for him, he can settle in and be a more reliable option at right guard. But for now, he still has to earn that trust back. And then Darnell Wright as a rookie, I think has played solid for a rookie, but makes rookie mistakes and gets beat sometimes. So you can't like fully trust that. So like none of your five offensive line positions then are like super locked down, good to go. And that is not a good spot for Justin Fields to be in. Certainly we saw against the Buccaneers, that offensive line gave him plenty of plays where he had time to throw. And so 
It's not purely the offensive line's fault. Justin Fields needs to do better. Luke Getzi needs to do better to help the offensive line, and the offensive line needs to do better. But the loss of Braxton Jones is not good. It's not good for his long-term development either. You hope he can get back and get back on the field so you can see more games of him and decide, okay, is he your long-term left tackle or not? Certainly gave him the season to try and develop and grow, but you're hoping to get a more clear answer on whether or not you needed to upgrade from him and replace him this offseason. And if he misses the rest of the year with a neck injury, then we have no idea if he's good enough to be your long-term left tackle. And that's the other really difficult thing about this. So many difficult things surrounding this Bears team right now. It's a firestorm. It's a bleep show. Uh, it's it's a lot going on. And we're trying to stay on top of it for you with a bonus episode of the Lockdown Bears podcast. Make sure you're subscribed on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts. Keep up with all of our daily or sometimes now multiple times in the same day. Chicago Bears news and analysis. We'll still have crossover Thursday for you tomorrow. Probably a game plan podcast for you on Friday unless more craziness happens between now and then. So keep coming back for more. And of course, you got to keep coming back for your next opportunity to bear down.